This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy, O'Driscoll through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, stamp and score! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined in studio as always by Luke Fitzgerald and Leinster star James Lowe. James, thanks so much for coming in. Nah, howdy. Thank you for having me. And there's a bit of pressure I feel on this podcast, Luke, because pretty much everyone's come up to me and been like, this will be the best one you'll do all year. If you get James Lowe in, it'll be the best <laughs> podcast you do all year. So we've had Johnny Sexton, Connor Murray, Charlotte Ryan, yeah. but you, I think the expectation for you is pretty high. Oh, yeah, but Jonathan isn't that fun. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going to actually, in fairness, Johnny's always dead serious. Yeah. Well, I was going to yeah. say, my favourite part, obviously I love watching you play rugby, but you taking the piss out of Johnny on social mm. media has probably been my highlight of your maybe year here so Everyone far. Everyone enjoyed, Tio was the same. When Tio yeah. was here, Tio used to go at Sexto and Kearns yeah. all the time. People yeah. love that. I think it's like... Like the boys, they're on a pedestal and deservedly so. <laughs> I mean, they are—they're—they're they're very, very good rugby players. But none of the boys, the boys—they've got like this aura about them that they're untouchable. Everyone's scared of Johnny. Oh, I don't know yeah. why. Like, yeah. as long as you're a good professional on the field with them, off the field, you can definitely give them some stick. I, I was know he's say, good crack. It would be a bit unusual if some academy player turned around to Johnny Saxon and said, "I'm taking the piss out of him." Yeah. I say, "You hear a pin drop in the dressing room." Actually, there was there was one this year. I'm not going to say who it was, <laughs> but I think he. Uh, he he bit at Jonathan when he he'd said something, and I think like just you know Johnny the, doesn't forget those yeah, things. Yeah, he man, will honestly. not forget. But this. he forget when he's off the pitch. But then when you go back on, it's like he's following you around. You're like yeah. what? He's like a honestly, he's like a heat seeker mm. missile for that stuff. Well, but he's good crack actually. He is good for yeah. when you get him going because he like in fairness, you have to be able to have a laugh. You couldn't survive in the group there if you. Well, you weren't I, I was going to say, like, how, how have you found the adjustment coming into Leinster? I guess it, it can be quite serious at times. I guess yeah. you like to have maybe a bit more of a more relaxed, laid back attitude towards mm-hmm. rugby. Uh, how have you found kind of meshing with some of the, the players like Johnny Sexton, who would be very, very serious about their business? Yeah, like uh, when I first got here, I was like, holy heck, like, what have I got myself <laughs> into? This place is an army camp. But um, <laughs> now, nah, I, I guess I've. I've came, I I arrived after like 12 months of footy and to be fair I was kind of over rugby at the time but uh coming into the environment it was it was it was like an army when I first got here but I think it was cuz I had to learn and understand the way how things were being run so that was part of it but like I mean now that I'm here and settled and my girlfriend's happy and stuff like the I mean Going to the changing rooms, awesome. You know, everyone's giving each other stick. You got to have thick skin, but um, you give what you get. Well, it's funny you mentioned, I guess, that it was like an army camper or whatever. Would it? Would that be? Would the Leinster environment be a lot different to even the Chiefs, which would be like one of the top teams in New Zealand? Would it be very different, in, even in that way? Uh, I like yes and no. Like, there's there's obviously similar traits in terms of like the professional environment. Like everybody's there. Uh, I guess with the same goal and in mind of trying to trying to win and get the best out of each other, so that there's very similar. I guess it was just like uh, like how I I'm not a if you told me something I I don't process that knowledge very quick, but if you show me or draw it or something, that's how I learn. So like everything was very like uh, like in a school like a sc- on a blooming whiteboard like written down and stuff, and I was like, holy man, like what's going on here? And when you go into holy bleep 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 yeah, bleep, bleep, that was it, man. I was just like just. Ask me the ball, I'll try. Like, um, but uh, as I, I guess as I, because you got to learn literally a whole another language when you yeah. go into another team because everyone, everyone does pretty much the same thing, but they call it something different. So, and when they'd say a move, I'd have to relate it back to what I know in my like New Zealand language, and then <laughs> process what yeah. my New Zealand language meant. So, it did take me a while, but I feel I'm 
Almost there. And I, and I think as well, the, like the big thing in the culture for me, um, and it was the big change in Leinster that kind of made them fairly consistent, is as you call it, the kind of you know fairly like an army camp or whatever. Mm. But I know it's not, I know you you're just that's it's a good way of relating it. But it's all the kind of good habits that they try and build in. Do you feel like? You know you're you're getting better and you're improving as a player because I feel like you look like you're really enjoying it. Mm. Uh, you know you, you're mixed in well with the lads, but I think you can only really do that if you feel like because I think the, most most of the people are fairly similar personalities. But if you're not grown as a player, mm. uh, obviously the team's playing well helps. Yeah. But you must be grown as a player. Yeah. You know, are, you, are you enjoying that part of it? You're enjoying like kind of building in the new habits, learning a few new things about you know whatever the I presume like all the prehab stuff. You know the things in the morning. Still yeah. doing that. Is that like new? Uh, it's Ish. like I I feel like there's just so many resources at Leinster. So like mm. there's there's a dude who does specifically like tackle tech. So like whatever position that what what sort of tackling you're going to be making in a game. Like there's a dude there. There's a dude who's mm. there for if you've got like a knee injury you can't train on the field. There's a dude who will do skills with you on the gym. Mm. There's four full time physios and two like assistant physios there. You know, like there's all these resources that do they not have them in, in uh, Chiefs, no? Nah, man. Like, really? She's <laughs> 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 I thought when I, was, yeah. Really. When I first got to the Chiefs, so that would have been like six, seven years ago now. Uh, we had one full-time physio and a part-time physio. Oh, really? So, like, Busy. yeah, it was. I mean, that was the busiest room in the in the building. Mm. So, like, you could imagine, like, this poor one phys one physio. Like, the boys are there from six till six. Like, and he's full hands on the whole time. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. to come here and have four full-time physios, like, yeah, they've got a schedule, but there's always someone there if you need something. So, yeah. uh, no, it's it's. It's very, very lucky. Yeah. And in terms of settling as well, uh, like, how have you found Dublin? You like life over here? It seems like, I always think it's a great place. For, like, lots of the foreign players seem to mm. really enjoy it. They always come back. Yeah. Um, because obviously it's a good time to go out, but it seems like a good place to settle. Lots of nice yeah. restaurants. So are you enjoying that part yeah. of it? Yeah. Like, it's, um, I guess we're, especially where we are uh, in the wee bubble, it's, it's very, uh, it's very easy going like i guess it's a very professional area but it's also a very nice area to live mm. in um annika my girlfriend's parents have just been over and they were like oh like we're so happy that she's like here in like a yeah. nice safe environment you know so um all the all the partners have been very very helpful as well there's a good good wee foreign crew going on had a sunday sunday roast the other night oh, so nice. that was that was quite nice and you're acclimatizing well there. Acclimatizing. And i liked as well because when i was telling james where to go he was like is that next to croke park and i was like it is next to Croke yeah, Park. Yeah, well I'm done, a Dubs sir. fan, well day one, man. <laughs> Up the Dubs. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny you said that you was a good foreign contingent yourself, Scott Fry, James Gibson Park. Obviously, no hard feelings over that obscure rule in the nah. Champions Cup in the Pro 14. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> yeah. What a sickener, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, it sucks. When did you, you know? first find out about that? I kind of, I, I kind of knew at the start, but like I never really thought it through, man. I was just in New Zealand playing footy. I was like, yeah. oh, there's some rule, but <laughs> I didn't look into it, but... Ah man, it's but it's already your job to look into it. You obviously like this lot, which is I feel like everyone had the reaction you did. Like we kind of knew there was a rule, but we never really bothered paying attention to it until. In fairness, I presume like the the Irish qualified thing with Jameson obviously is on the horizon as well. So that's obviously everyone's hoping that that's gonna. That's the summer, so you got one more season of crap. Hopefully, and then you're you're you can just play all the time. But I mean, in terms of that, like landing on on Leinster. Um, like how did that come about? Obviously, I presume they obviously approached you, obviously because mm. you'd had lots of good form. I know you had one in, one year out injured, but for yeah. the most part, you had a good run <laughs> and you were going really well with the Chiefs as well. Um, like how did that all come about? Yeah, so like right at the start, like you like it's kind of when contracts are up, and then like say we we'll just use Leinster. Leinster might be looking for a specific uh, position that needs filling and obviously with the mm. all the internationals and the Leinster side they go for positions which probably a lot of their players and those positions yeah. will be in the <clears> in the uh, Irish camp so um that pretty much like we're looking for a player in this position who has x attributes sort mm. of thing and um sort of made its way to New Zealand and then I guess with my contract coming up that's how I guess they started talking um, I mean, at the start, I wasn't really looking to go overseas at all. I still, I still thought I had like more to give in New Zealand for sure. And I mean, it was nice to be home and have family around, and uh, built built a good relationship in Hamilton with the people. So, mm. um, but no, nah, like it kind of. Did you call anyone? Did you like? As in, would you, would you have say? 
approached maybe an East and a Seawa about yeah. it and say, listen, what's it like over there? Like, do you, you know, do you think that, like, you might not have said it's mm. a good move, but did you have any of those kind of conversations with people who'd um, been over? Yeah, so I'd, like, Jim, Jemison is my age, oh, so, so we, yeah. so we uh, played against each other uh, growing up and we both missed out on New Zealand 20s together, so we kind of, like, both had a grudge, I guess, so we had that bond <laughs> of a grudge. Um, but I, I first contacted... I can't believe you admitted that, man. <laughs> <laughs> still going. Uh, yeah, still going, man. Yeah. But um, I contacted uh, Trigsy, actually. Oh, so, legend, yeah. Yeah, so I played Māori All Blacks with Trigsy, and I uh, like his old dad, you know, like he says it how it is. He's a very, he's a very, very nice man. So I contacted him and he had nothing but praise. So, and then obviously I did talk to Jamo as well. And yeah, they were both, they both said awesome things about Leinster. And um, I'd actually, after I'd signed, I was at a, like a charity function. And uh, so Graham Henry was there, who was uh, the ex oh, We talked about yeah, him in our Ted. last podcast. <laughs> yeah, he weren't that complimentary. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so he he was there and like when he he was gutted obviously that I was leaving, but he'd been to Leinster a few times and he said like the setup was awesome too. Mm. So to have someone I guess who in a coaching background say that 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 that, that is a good club, yeah, um, did make it a little bit it's easier. Good, isn't it? I mean, it, it's it's I suppose it speaks a lot about the environment, well, doesn't it? Yeah, that it's obviously getting lots of it's important. I think that because I think you know. When things have been going badly, I, there was something definitely that I worried about was like, you know, especially when, when Leo took the reins, he took it in very difficult circumstances. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think they'd kind of decided that they were going to let the coach go at the end of the season, but it was kind of late and they had no mm -hmm. succession planning in place when Matt O'Connor left, the previous coach. So Leo took it I, definitely a few years before he wanted to take it. Um, but it was always the worry then because they tried to get, I think, Tony Brown, uh, who had been coaching the... Um, coach the, the Highlanders. With the Highlanders, yeah, yeah. sorry. Obviously, he was uh, <coughs> 10 for them as well, wasn't he, for a long mm. time. But they tried to get him, couldn't get him. And I was saying, oh, that's unusual. Lenser have been through a period where they've got anyone they wanted. Yeah. I think they're probably back in that place now. But it's good to hear that all the good kind of positive vibes coming from people who have been I in the camp. I was going to say, like, how much did you know mm. about, like, Leinster and, like, the setup in terms of, like, the internationals being away and that you would be, you know, plugging in? Did you know anything about that kind of stuff nah, or, or Irish rugby in general? <laughs> like, I, it's, like, New Zealand rugby is very sheltered in when the Six Nations are on, it's three o'clock in the morning or five o'clock in the morning. Like the only time you're going to catch any of that's after a big night out. So <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably the last thing you want to do is <laughs> yeah. watching so, the cross side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like that there, like Northern Hemisphere rugby isn't that well, uh, well, as much appreciated yeah. back home just, but it's because of the time difference, man. Like it's so like, yeah. like I said, unless you're coming home after a big night, you're not going to, I'm not going to get up at three in the morning to watch a Leinster but play. But did you have a, a view maybe of Northern Hemisphere rugby being maybe a, a more dour kind of conservative game? Cause you've had a lot of fun up here. You've scored a lot of tries. Leinster mm. playing some great rugby, but did that maybe surprise you that it was a bit more open or, or were you expecting it to be more of an arm wrestle perhaps? Uh, well, like when I did talk to people, people were like Leinster do actually play like an expansive brand of rugby, which, which they do. But like in New Zealand, like New Zealand, like everyone plays expansive, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. so like everyone, like growing up as a kid, like you want to try run around and step people. Like if you're not playing rugby, you're playing touch or you're playing like there's very transferable skills. So like the whole year round, you just got a rugby ball in your hand. Well, where I was, where I'm from, you are anyway. So, mm. um, yeah, I guess there is a perception that Northern Hemisphere rugby is very safe and conservative and pressure, pressure orientated, but um, no, nah, like Leinster plays plays good rugby, and I think Ireland are playing like good rugby as well, uh, especially with Jonathan there. Um, so, and here, how have you found as well, like in in the setup? How have you found the coaches? How, how are you getting on with Doctor Phil? All good? <laughs> yeah, nah, <laughs> he's, uh, been, he's a legend, Philip, isn't he? Yeah, he's a <laughs> he's a very nice man. Um, he's it's quite funny because he's got like broken english like ob obviously english isn't his first he speaks like four fluent languages man he's, oh, he's, he's a, genius, a freak yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. a freak man but um he like back home like all of the islanders who didn't grow up in new zealand like his english is their second language they speak like phil so when phil speaks he just reminds me of like, the <laughs> islanders back home like it's it's funny but he's a he's a very smart man and he's got a very uh, Southern Hemisphere outlook on the game where he wants everyone to be like really crisp with their skills. Everyone can play anywhere in the back line. It doesn't matter if you're a wing or a nine, like you should be able to do everything in the back line. So um, I think it's a good step uh, pushing 
pushing those skill sets, like mm. especially with already what's ingrained in, in the footy of pressure rugby, you know, it's it's only going to do them good. Have you found working with Stuart Lancaster? I know he's brought a lot of kind of, I guess, detail-driven stuff mm. to the setup. How did you find that adjustment? Yeah, Stuart's good, man. He's a, he's an awesome man. Like, he's, he's rugby mad, you know, and that's what you need in a head coach. And he puts just so much time into the detail of everyone making sure they're doing the right thing. Um, and he's such a he's a he's a smart dude. I feel like like hearing about it. Uh, I guess what happened with him in the English setup, like he lost two games, and like that was it. Like England were like, no, we're getting rid of him, which <laughs> is a bit like unfair. Like I'm pretty sure Eddie Jones is on like a four game losing streak, and they're like, yeah. nah, he's our man. So, <laughs> in fairness, I think like the, the thing with Stewart was, I think like, and it was interesting to hear him. He's he's been fairly open about it. Mm. That the head coach role, he was a bit like. Oh, is that was it actually enjoyable? I'm like I end up kind of managing. Like he, it seems like he actually loves the game. Mm. Like he loves coaching. And didn't he say that? I think yeah, that was, like he's been very open with that. Maybe so. more of an overseer. Yeah. And like Andy Farrell perhaps was doing more of the coaching, whereas with Leinster yeah. he's kind of more on the field. He was kind of saying like, oh, I end up like organizing some like oh, I don't know some house for someone or a car. Like someone's car is broken down. <laughs> I'm it's like it's on me. Like silly things where he was like actually mm. like or where the team is staying, the hotel. Like yeah, you, maybe you want to be involved a little bit of that. But he's mm -hmm. like, I'm a rugby coach, like, mm -hmm. and he's bloody good at it. Yeah, apparently. he is. He's um, yeah. he's very, very hands on, and especially with our trainings on the field, like he makes it so chaotic. But there's always like a a method with his madness. You know, there's always a reason why we're doing that, uh, depending on, I guess, who we're going to come up against in the in the coming weeks. So he's like every everything. Like I've only got positive things to say about him. I don't. You know, any like, contact with the boss man Leo, or is he just in the lineouts these days? Uh, <laughs> you nah, never see him with nah, the forwards. <laughs> Leo and I, no, nah, we we have quite good conversations, man. Like um, he's great crack, isn't he? he, he I know is he's probably serious. Crack. The coach. Well, I was going to say we had Scott Friday on last yeah. year, and he said he calls Leo Cullen the weatherman because he just he always knows which way the wind <laughs> is blowing for yeah. every match. I guarantee like, he got that from Joe Schmidt, man. Joe yeah. Schmidt used to know, like he was literally. He got some, uh, I think it's some Nordic weather crew that apparently are really accurate with the weather. Oh, and the fishermen use it or something. Honestly, yeah. Leo's the same. You, you don't buy into that? that. <laughs> oh, no. It doesn't matter what the weather is for me. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, Leo, like when I first got here, I'd always like just ask him like weird questions, like how did he sleep or something, like to try and like throw <laughs> him. dude up to? Like, like just weird things like that or how are the kids this morning, like, you know, and. But um, call actually, him Smurf, man. That'll really all just call him Smurf. I don't know. know. <laughs> Ask Johnny. Johnny will yeah. tell you all about that. I'd call him. Yeah. I call him Smurf still to this well, day. He was probably a player when you did it, not your boss. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, he was no. He was the boss. But I, I couldn't. I, and literally, it was the only thing I could call him. Yeah, we were on a preseason tour in Nice and called him the Smurf. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's actually not. It's nothing weird, but it's they find it funny. <laughs> right. um, okay. But like, it's it's an interesting one. Like in terms of like those guys, and I just think they've got a really good collection of guys as well. Like John Foggs as well. Like yeah, Foggsy. Great crack as Great well, man. good follow. But he's like he he he's having a big impact. Lots of good young guys in the front row, and 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 obviously guys that, that Fogs would have a big impact on. But they've got a really nice coach, and they get all good guys. Um, and in terms of your own game, like what, like where do you like? Obviously, you have your strengths. You know, strong. You know, great footwork. You know, and, and like really good hands as well. But in terms of the other stuff of your game, like where do you feel like you need to work on to get to like to keep improving? What areas mm. have you picked out? Because I'm sure most players have picked out a few things that they're saying. I need to improve. I know as a player, I was always like that. I was saying, oh, I need to, and maybe I focus too much on that. But yeah. what about you? Do you think about that stuff a lot? Yeah, I think you kind of have to. You can't just, uh, you can't keep bluffing yourself. You know, there's mm. always things that everyone needs to work on. Um, but yeah, like in terms of like, when I when I got here last year, like I 12 months of footy and I was like, in my head, I was like, oh man, I've got another eight months to go. <laughs> like, I hope it's going. <laughs> I'm expecting too much. Survive, like, survive. Yeah, I was, I was literally in survival mode, but mm. like, it was good that it was such a professional environment. I had things to learn and people to, people I needed to, I guess, become accustomed to. But man, I got so fat, man. Like, <laughs> you yeah. got fat last year. Oh, I brought, I How was your, What was your Dexa? Uh, don't tell us actually, but you were, were you, were you nah, told like, Dexa yeah, like, was bad? I'm, like, well, I mean, what's bad, you know? Like, well, you know what's bad. <laughs> <laughs> if you like, tell me, well, I know how, how did you get fat? <laughs> nah, well, I saw so there's like New Zealand treats that I brought over and I was living with Sean O'Brien when I first got here. Oh, Don't get me started Shawnee. on him. No, do not get me started. Um, <laughs> Great to see him back this week, man. I'm yeah, delighted for yeah, a yeah, tough man, journey, yeah. Back, he's back training and everything. It's cool. But when I first got to his, he was like, it was uh, November Test Series time. So I was kind of in his apartment by myself and... You know, like I'd, I'd got a car. I didn't, 
hadn't really met anyone yet because everyone was on their time mm. off and that. And I had like, I brought over like 10 blocks of New Zealand chocolate. <laughs> and literally I was like, all right, like a New Zealand tradition or and Australia is that like you have chocolate the night before a game. Like it's it's kind of just this thing that happens. And I was like, sweet, like I've got the sort of like the rest of the season. <laughs> like got a weekend, like the first couple of days I went through like four. I was like, oh man. Uh, like, there's no one there to I say. Like, did you watch, did you waddle into the, into the UCD and they were like, who have we signed here? <laughs> Who's that? Are you a winger? You're a lot different <laughs> yeah. last year, James. Yeah. Man, but, um, I had a few of those ones as well. People are still uh, abusing me yeah. about it. Yeah, I never lost it. Never lost <laughs> it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, how'd you find live with Shawnee? Talking uh, to Shawnee, he's yeah, great. He's wild, isn't he? Shawnee, yeah, crack. Yeah, he's wild. He's he's very good crack, man. Like, uh, it, like the first, I'd met him when he was in the Lions tour, and that's when he kind of like, I think he half-heartedly said, was like, oh, yeah, you can move in with me when you first come here. And I was just like, sweet. Yeah, so I just turned up at the front See door. See you in November, yeah. man. <laughs> um, but yeah, like he, uh, he threw me big time under the bus, like saying I was like stealing like pillows and stuff, which obviously <laughs> I wasn't doing. Like, were you stealing pillows? No, man? like I don't know where uh, he came up with all this rubbish. But like when uh, I first when I first got there, like he'd got poked in the eye, so like he turned up and like he had this huge thing over his eye. He was dopey as anything. Like it was quite bad, and then like he was like, oh yeah, we'll go pick up my car. Like and he made me come because he. Like he wasn't allowed to drive. We got there and he had this like a uh, sports car and he's just like, no, 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 you're not driving this. <laughs> <laughs> so he's roaring around with like one eye, like in the pouring rain. I'm like, oh man, what have I got myself in? Fairness, so it was a sports car for you? No, no it was, it was, it was his. Like he yeah. left it at the, you know, the Flash Hotel. They always stay in. Oh, the Shelburne. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Shelburne. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, nah, it was, that was like he's good first, fun. Yeah. It, it actually, it'll be good for him, for for Lance to have him back. I know they're mm. like things are going well, but Shawnee's a big part of the dressing room. Like he's he's like he's kind of always in the center of the crack and that as well. I mm. uh, speaking of crack, how about Fergus McFadden and and uh, and Sean Cron? They still think oh, as thieves, are they? Yeah, those two men. You can't they're the old fogies now, aren't they? Yeah, they are. <laughs> those two men. They're always they're always the butt of each other's jokes. You know, they're always <laughs> going at each other. Yeah. It's um, there's not many uh, people that like. Like, Sean, he's a dude who will remember everything. Sean yeah. Cronin, you know, so, like, at training, like, <laughs> Ferg's the only one that can really give out to him or, like, put a shoulder into him or something, and it might be water under the bridge. If anyone else does that, yeah. then, like, he'll remember it. But, you know, they're both, they're both good men. They've been around the block, and, I mean, they're both still playing really good footy. So. They are playing great just, football. Just yeah. on some of the characters in the Leinster dressing room, obviously haven't played in like the, with the Chiefs and Super Rugby. Are, are mm. Irish players different personality-wise generally to the New Zealand players you come across? Like, Are they wired differently? Do they approach everything differently? <clears throat> um, I think like the big difference, especially in the changing in the changing room, is like here everyone's like cut from the same cloth. Like there's not many people who aren't from... A private school in South Dublin. <laughs> You said it, not me, but, <laughs> you know, there's not many that don't, that aren't from those five, those big five schools, you know, so. Yeah, but, that's why they're doing so well. Uh, <laughs> We're both from one of yeah. them. Don't point at me. Don't point yeah. at me. Don't point at me. He's saying school is Johnny. Oh, yeah. No. I'm a lot younger. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like, in New Zealand, like, it's so diverse in terms of, like, everyone's from, like, from all around the country. You'll get, like, uh Obviously, people who English isn't their first language. You have a lot of the island boys around who love singing and et cetera, et cetera. And then you'll have the country boys or people from down Bluff who have been op opening blooming oysters like half their life. So, <laughs> and then you've got a few townies as well. Who hey, man, Shawnee O'Brien is. Come on, he couldn't be. He is oh, certainly the, he's the only person that you've ever met that's like him. No? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like Furlong as well. Yeah. Like, the, oh, big Taj. Like, yeah, but Taj, Taj is different, man. Taj, he's changed big time, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's... Oh, yeah. Slippers, the see. Gucci slippers and stuff. Gucci slippers. He runs a Jag, man. Like, <laughs> he's in a Jag, He's in a Jag. Uh -huh. He's like, not salt of the earth anymore. Nah. <laughs> so, um, Only drink sparkling water, apparently. Yeah, as well. Sam Pellegrino. Yeah, yeah. And coming up here, is there anything about Northern Hemisphere rugby that surprised you the most? Obviously, you might have thought it would be a certain way. Is there anything that you find unusual or weird that is about playing up here versus playing down there um not really like weird but i feel like especially ireland at the moment ireland are like irish rugby are in a very good place at the moment and they'll definitely they'll be up there in terms of the world cup if everyone stays fit but like the good thing is is that like especially like with the six nations it's literally like at the end of the day it's about winning it's not about you don't need to score score a ridiculous amount of points or entertain people but in that like pressure cauldron you learn a lot and it's at the end of the day, it's about winning. It's about applying pressure. And 
getting over the line, you know, like if you win every game, you're going to win the Grand Slam. But like, I feel like New Zealand and Southern Hemisphere rugby, they aren't always, the All Blacks aren't always put under immense pressure. Like then, like they're not like, I mean, they lost against South Africa, but they, they didn't play well in that game and South Africa took all the opportunities. Um, but they aren't always challenged. But up here, everyone's always challenged. Every single year, they've got five games against people they literally, like, they hate. Hmm. So it's that's where I think Irish the Irish team is in front at the moment. And when you talk about, like, <clears throat> I think, if we're talking about Southern Hemisphere rugby versus kind of Northern Hemisphere rugby, and when I'm thinking about it, like I look at all the crowds and stuff, like I, I like the rugby. So again, as you say, there's probably a bit of an onus uh, to kind of make it entertaining for people, mm. even though I think the quality of rugby is really, really good. But like, why do you think that in some places the, the numbers aren't great for watching mm. the games? Bar in New Zealand, where you're going to get a big turnout every week, yeah. you're just guaranteed it, really. But like in in South Africa, you know, not so much South Africa maybe, but Australia, you know, they're really yeah. really struggling, and the the brand of rugby is really really good. Like, mm. what's it? Would you are you would you worry about it at all, or is anything like, you think about it? Like like I I'm worried about it, like mm. especially with like uh, the South African teams kind of coming out and saying that potentially they're going to leave Super Rugby. Like all of the all the teams want to leave, so like. Mm. In terms of like the schedule is very grueling on them, isn't it? I think yeah. is it particularly bad for the South African guys? Man, the travel, like especially terrible. like yeah. it's you. They'll go on like two, three week tours, you know, like halfway mm. around the world. And if you get into like a uh, knockout stages, so if you're a South African team and you've got to go to New Zealand, if you beat a New Zealand team, you might have to go back to South Africa to play. Yeah. And then if you make the final, you could be back in New Zealand. Like mm. you go, yeah. you go pretty much twelve hours difference three yeah. times. It's not good mm. for the body. So. Um, but in terms of Australia, it's not it's not really in a good place at the moment, and it's sad to see. Um, but like, I, I mean, it's hard I to compete over there. There's so many like sports Different as well. Sports, yeah, it's just it's yeah. the one thing when I look at because, like, I think there's you could probably make a fairly good point. I think as well, it doesn't help that the the, the weather is usually fairly bad up here for the quality of rugby around Six Nations time. Mm. I do think that does play a factor towards the end of the championship. It's no, I think it's no surprise the rugby actually gets better. I mean, people don't always take those things into account mm. uh, all the time, anyway. But like, the numbers are always unbelievable up here. Like, yeah, they're like for a Six Nations match, yeah. like. It, every stadium is packed out. Mm. Every single one or, is jammed. Or even Champions Cup. Like, what, like that yeah. is the pinnacle for a lot of yeah. Irish rugby fans, even more so as the Six Nations, as Leinster and Munster got really popular. Yeah. Like, how have you found playing in that tournament? Yeah, the Aviva. Do like the Aviva? Oh, man. The Aviva's, yeah. the Aviva's really cool. It's yeah. nice to play. It's nice to play there. Um, but, yeah, like, European rugby, like, to me, I didn't even know what it was back home. Like, mm. I knew there was this competition, mm. but until I really came here and got immersed in, like, I guess thrown into it, it was like, holy heck, like everyone loves this stuff. So um, it's cool to play in the crowds here. Definitely, I guess, more consistent in terms of like super rugby crowds. You get a good crowd when the Crusaders are playing the Highlanders, you yeah, know, yeah. or those derby <clears throat> matches. But if a New Zealand team was playing a South African team, like, you know, like the people aren't going to turn out for that. But especially at the RDS, it's nice to have like a smaller stadium for for a lot of the games so it does feel like a full, but I mean, you're still getting 15,000 people to a 7.30 yeah. on a Friday. You against know, the Dragons so. as well. Like, you know, they do, oh, yeah. like, yeah. they, like, even against the weaker teams, they would still have a really big crowd. Mm. They do a really good job with it as well though. They, I think they make it very family friendly and stuff. Yeah. It's actually a cheap, it's a cheap enough uh, oh, yeah. Friday night which mm. is good like it's important because mm. I think that's the grassroots and it's actually the future of the game as well so mm. I think they do a good job with that and they've, there's been a big push for that so it's not a surprise to get the numbers and just going back to your own situation coming over to Leinster obviously growing up I'm sure you dreamed of playing for the All Blacks and mm. I think I read that you were in some extended All Black squads is that right? Yeah so, so like, would you been around the setup then? Yeah, so like there's always before a squad's announced, there's like a 45 man before it gets cut down to a 32. And then in that 45, the like physios and SNC go around just to make sure, like just to make sure and see where exactly where everyone is in terms of their injuries. Um, so yeah, I made that for like two years in a row, but never really got a decent crack. So I mean, that was a bit of a shame, but I mean. Is there anything you saw? Are there any secrets you could give us, you know, for the Irish rugby community <laughs> that you, anything you, you saw that. Nah, like I, I they just don't make think... it overly complex. I don't think. Nah, they just they're just brilliant rugby players. Yeah, they're they're very very been in the setup. Yeah, no, but I, I'm <laughs> sorry, but if you think if you think about it, like when have you ever seen a New Zealand team like outthink another team? They just play. They're just a brilliant like. A few times, like the, the World Cup against France, where they had that lineout move, is the one time I've ever seen them go. Oh, that yeah. was actually. Like, they, they have scored, some good yeah. moves here and there, but they basically just they've got brilliant athletes. Everyone mm. can pass the ball. Everyone's good at rooking. 
everyone's a good defender usually. Well, sorry, most of them are pretty good defenders. Mm. Like they're just good at everything. So you didn't so see you anything have, too. Sorry, you tell. Yeah. Sorry, I, yeah. I, this is my. Nah. I, I'm just sharing my view because I just think they just they, they make it simple. Yeah, and they just do the simple things well for the whole game, mm. and they're really fit. Yeah, I think like uh, especially in New Zealand, like actually one thing that I find is that I feel like potentially Irish rugby is behind is definitely the mental skills side. Really? So yeah, that's the one thing where like when I came over here, like being in the Chiefs, we had a dude who was uh, three days a week who was our like mental skills dude, you know. So like really? he'd be in the environment three days a week, no matter what. So and what he kind would of have... stuff specifically would that entail? So he would now like, I feel like a filmer. <laughs> you should have <laughs> kept that to yourself. Yeah, <laughs> I've given away the, <laughs> the one secret, <laughs> you know. I figured it out. Tech job. Yeah. What um, <laughs> but yeah, like so they had a dude, and uh, man, this there was this one dude. His name's David Galbraith. He's the I still message man like he's he's this awesome dude with like this mind which is just like he just doesn't give a shit about anything yeah. man you could say anything to him it's water under the bridge you know like he uh his like kind of like background was like he was really like just a self-conscious person you know like he cared about what everyone thought about him he was worrying about making mistakes and stuff like it wasn't a sportsman it was just like mm. him in general and then one day he was like nah screw this like and he drove on the motorway in the fast lane at like 50 k's an hour and just like pulled the finger at everyone tooting at him <laughs> like driving past in the slow lane like like they're all screaming at him he's just like nah screw you guys like i don't care anymore and that was kind of the start of his journey into this is like, new zealand rugby secret i'm surprised yeah. like, i wasn't gonna i wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't pick this yeah see so if uh, i pass by you in the car around yeah. and you give me the finger yeah just don't take it personally don't yeah, take so, it but then so, <laughs> so what specifically would they have worked on with the team then? yeah so like he would i guess so he would have like one-on-ones with people and like, i guess like uh I guess starting off when you first go into like that full-time professional environment, obviously you're doubting yourself and there's things like that. And he just puts, I guess he, he connects with you personally. He starts to understand you and he knows like a bit about your background and family, et cetera, et cetera. And then he goes out of like, he tries to figure out ways to help you push all these, like, I guess these doubts and the self doubts and like the things that you might worry about these external things to help you just like, it doesn't matter what you do. Like as long as, for 80 minutes on a Saturday, you're not worrying about that. You're playing rugby, you know, and he puts things in place and he just makes you think about like life, like so much different. Um, I've got a few people here, like he's, he's got a book as well and he's like helped out heaps of different New Zealand athletes. Um, which he which he's got out and uh, even my dad read it man like <laughs> my dad's not a sportsman but he really enjoyed it you know so man that's one thing and he's so he's just this weird dude who has all these crazy ideas and makes you like feel good as a person and you so. think you got a lot out of it as well but specifically oh, like huge man like when I first I guess when I first came onto the scene. It was like uh, I was I was a bit of a stressor. Like uh, I'd be worrying about. You were about, a stressor. Yeah, I, yeah, I know, man. Like, <laughs> it's hard to picture about the yeah. flowing locks. <laughs> yeah, now I just don't. <laughs> <care>. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I'd always be worried about what other people say and what other people are doing, and um, I'd always be reading what people were saying about me and things like that. I, like I don't even have like any media. Like I've got like, obviously my social media, but like news agencies and stuff like that. I don't even read it. Like it's like people are going to say whatever they say because that's what people like that's what sells sells it you know so like if i have a bad game it's water under the bridge i'll learn from it in my own ways and make sure that next time i don't make those mistakes again like you know it's it's yeah. just funny you mentioned the media element of it because it was it was mostly during the line throw i noticed is that the new zealand rugby media can be very very cutting probably oh, man. more so than the irish media like it, like what was your experience in that did you any mm. any tough experiences no nah, like we like i guess uh, the, our like inner circle of players it'd be like uh we'll call them like sharks and dolphins sharks would be the people are out for you and dolphins are the nice ones you <laughs> know the people are actually there and care about you as a person so um man like you just you just don't got to worry about what they think or write. Like it's literally these, like a group of men who are all trying to achieve the same thing. It doesn't it? like, as long as you're good people to each other, like some pe people are going to play bad games, you know, but like, you got to understand they're trying their best. <laughs> like, mm. it's, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, like it's 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 a, it's a good mindset to have, and I suppose as well, it comes down to like not being able to control the controllables, you know. Mm -hmm. Sorry, sorry, not being able to control some things and just controlling the controllables for you. But like in terms of that, like I suppose in in 
I'm surprised here you're saying that there's a big difference because that's really interesting. I think there was a big, big push when I so when I first came into Leinster was a long time ago now, yeah. uh, James. I know you wouldn't know, it, but um, to look at me, but it was in it was in 06. It was like you know Leinster had been going through a really difficult period, but we kind of turned it around and a mm. big thing, I suppose I was, the, I probably was the first guy, but Enda McNulty was a guy that I use all the time. I don't know if you've come in contact with Enda yet, um, but that was the big thing in Leinster. So I, I was using him when I first came out of school and then I kind of introduced him to a few guys yeah. and around the place and then he kind of was in all the time with us. Mm. Um, are they not using him in, Le in Leinster anymore? Mm. Do, they have, do you know the Motivate? Have they anyone from Motivate? They used... Um, David Gillick for a while as well, I think. No, it's literally... They're, they're not uh, no, there is... There's, oh, man, I can't remember the dude's name. Brian, I think his name is. Might not be Brian. It could be... <laughs> <laughs> I'm we'll calling call him Brian. Brian. Yeah, Brian. Okay. Brian. Um, but yeah, he comes in uh, and he goes through... Uh, they actually do uh, a good process of like, uh, I guess, going through our goals and stuff at the start yeah. of the year. It's long story short, that's kind of what he what he does. But he's he's quite good. He's from an army background and... Oh. Uh, but you've noticed a big info. difference now. That's good. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, I mean, I think it's the, like it's probably the big, the biggest differentiating factor at the top level in sports because mm. there's brilliant athletes across every team. Oh yeah. And you could probably argue that in New Zealand, they probably have a few guys. You know, the, you know, there's some unbelievable athletes there. Mm. They definitely have that. Um, but it's interesting. Like the the, the mental side is definitely the, the key part. Yeah. You know, uh, every time I've played against New Zealand teams, they're very, like they are like they're you know because we've had them on the ropes. That one I played in the one in the Aviva where they got the last one to try, but they went through something like twenty five phases. Yeah. When we were and we we like I remember going. We went back through the clip with Joe Schmidt, and he was like, "We made something like I'm going to say we made ten mistakes." 10 poor enough like defensive errors in 78 minutes, 79 yeah. minutes. But in the last two minutes, we made something like 10 again. Yeah. And they just, they didn't make one mistake. Mm. And it was like in the key part of the game, mentally, they definitely yeah, had the edge. Um, and I think they've probably always said that. But it's interesting mm. to hear you say that. I probably wouldn't have, I definitely wouldn't have thought that was a differentiating factor for me. I probably would have said... Like, and maybe it is a little bit of both, mm. but they would have all the best athletes and they have, uh, everyone's a great ball handler and stuff. I would have put it down to those things. It's interesting. Oh, yeah, it'd be interesting to get your opinion. I know you're only in a couple of extended squads, but what was Steve Hansen like? We don't see, I guess, he doesn't give a whole lot away in the mm. media or anything. Did you have many dealings with him? Yeah, I never really had like a direct dealing with um, with him. I think it was more of like the overseer. I uh, My dealings were with... Um, Crikey, what's his name? Beck's coach. Smith. Wayne no, Smith. it's no, it's oh, not Smithy. Nah, no. Smithy is a very, he's meant very to be unbelievable. Good, he is a ridiculous human. You mm. know, like um, they say, he's like the proper, he, like creator of <laughs> new ideas. Yeah, cutting edge of rugby. Is he? I, yeah. I've heard only unbelievable things. He about him. um, he was at the Chiefs when I first got there, and uh, like he was kind of like the selling point for me. Like this dude, like yeah. how he was talking to me, and like the things he was coming up with. And like, I guess like, what kind of stuff? Like he was just like, he was just always thinking outside the box. Like, I guess in terms of like my big thing back then was like counter attack. He's like, oh, so like when you catch the ball, like, what do you do? Like, what do you think? What do you see? I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. Like if I catch it here, I'm like, go for a run, <laughs> you know? And he's like, yeah. he literally is like, yeah, don't look at the people like in front of you. Like look at the backfield. Like if, the, if there's one person in the backfield, like kick it. If there's mm. more than one person in the backfield, that's when you can run. And I was just like. Holy heck, man! Like, there's no way I would have thought of that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny. It sounds like simple things, but like, yeah. obviously, it's funny when you come across a really good coach. Like they'll have they'll have thought through those things. And mm. They actually have a good perspective on it because I, I was always amazed that Joe Schmidt was really good at that. He's a guy who, like, I think is up there yeah. with uh, Wayne Smith in terms of just being able to be like really creative and like really interesting when you when you hear him talk with things. But they don't make it overly complex for you all the time. Nah. But they've just thought about it, and it's funny for people. I don't know about has Wayne Smith played for the All Blacks. I'm not sure he has, but mm. I know like Joe Schmidt obviously isn't, wasn't you know any great shakes uh, great shakes as a rugby player. But he's able to get inside the mind of a, of of, a, of someone who is playing in those situations, and he's actually really good at being able to give you direction as to making the the right decisions yeah. under pressure. But I always always amazed at being able to do that. Like I think you'd mm. have to have a really kind of creative mind or something yeah. like that. It's just like <clears throat> simplifying things, eh? Like there's all yeah. these things that are going through your head, like who's in front of you, who's yeah. who's with you, and stuff like that. And he's like, Nah, don't worry about any of that. Look for this. Yeah. And like it's just like one thing, and that one thing will trigger, and then you'll know subconscious subconsciously what you need to do in that specific situation. So, mm. um, the simpler it is, the I mean, the easier it is for you. And talking about, I guess, your dream of playing for the All Blacks, I read an interesting comment from Lima Sapawanga, who's moved up to mm. North Hemisphere, similar to yourself, and he talked about that. I guess that the lure of playing for the All Blacks 
versus take you know the, the money on offer in the Northern Hemisphere. Mm. A lot of players now, even if they play for the All Blacks like he has, or some like yourself who's maybe on the fringes, they're, they're opting maybe to set up their future rather than stay at home in New Zealand. That must have been quite a tough dilemma for you. Yeah, especially you're at an age as well where you were like you're just yeah. playing for the Marys as well. You obviously mm. been in a few squads. Is that difficult? Yeah, it was. It was a very difficult like decision decision to make obviously like growing up that's all I ever wanted to do like if it wasn't for rugby I didn't know what it didn't really have much else you know so um no it was a tough decision but like at the end of the day like you kind of weigh up everything you see I guess where you've like where you come from like where your where your family is your family situation like where you want to be like everyone just wants to be like financially stable at the end of the day and like with me staying in New Zealand and like in a way it would have been pretty selfish for me like to stay there and keep pursuing something yeah I know it was like my dream and everything but like it's like it's a bigger picture than just me achieving that like I'd man I'd love to have my family like mortgage free you know like that'll be the that'll be like that'd be like my Everest you know mm. so um, that's, that's interesting. Like, I mean, and, and that's a thing, isn't it? I mean, I, I know. I remember talking to Easton Asiwa. You know, when he'd gone mm -hmm. back. I mean, that that can be a lot of weight on on, on young guys' shoulders who are, in fairness, trying to achieve, mm. trying to get their, you know, achieve their dreams or whatever. I mean, is that something like? Do you, do you come from a background where, like, you'd like a, like a tough enough background where oh. you'd have to help out at home? I know that's a bit because you have obviously mm. you're you've a married background, don't you? Yeah. And you, one of your parents is English as well, English descent. Uh, is that right? Uh, Dad's a white boy, yeah. Dad's a white boy, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, do you know, so, like, obviously you have that back, but that was a big thing. He said was saying there was a lot of guys, a lot of local guys from, say, you know, a lot of people who come yeah. from the islands, from, like, the, the South Sea Islands, mm. and a lot of the Mary lads. They come way way in a lot of people's decisions is that they're saying, oh, I'd love to pursue this, but, you know, there's a big family culture there yeah. in the Mary culture, isn't there? Yeah. And like, I, like, I don't come from, like, a, like a big family hmm. um, or anything, but... Like, we didn't always, like, have it easy. Like, uh, when I was 12, my mother had a stroke, and my, like, so she's, like, disabled still. Like, she's she's pretty self-sufficient. Like, she's coming over in November with my dad and stuff. So, like, it's not all doom and gloom, but she can't work. So, like, immediately we're down to, like, a single parent, like, income. And my brother, who had just, he was studying at the time, like, he's, he stopped the study, came back to Nelson to help try and, like, fund, like, just to help the family. Like, uh, so, yeah, and then my sister was at, she was pursuing netball at the time and she was studying to be a school teacher, but my brother already had a degree and a bit of background and work. So he came back and helped. And then he pretty much said like, I'll stay here until I finish school. Like he didn't tell me this at the time, obviously, yeah. but like, so he was kind of just helping out around the house. And it wasn't until I was like 18, 19 and like left school. I like, man, I, I still had it really good. Like, mm. even though, like, all this had happened, like, I'd never struggled for anything. Like, it was it was always, like, my friends might be able to go to the movies without me, but, like, I always had, like, there was food on the table, there was a house, like, you know, like, I'd never had, like, a proper struggle. Sometimes it sucked, yeah, but, like, that was it. And then when I got to 19, I was like, holy heck, man, dad gets up at five in the morning and doesn't get home till five at night. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, man, like, imagine doing that. Like, I'm complaining a nine to three at school. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Is that know? something that's kind of been driving you throughout your career then, you know, getting to the stage where you can help your family? Yeah, I think, like, man, I'm no saint or anything, but, like, a lot of people are like that, you mm. know, especially especially from New Zealand. Like, it's that's kind of like, like, you always want to make sure, like, everyone else is sweet. So I guess, like, when this opportunity came, it was like, uh, an opportunity for me to like give back and that you know like my sister's just had her first kid and that and that but that's it so you're obviously you're a really tight unit because you we, like we haven't really touched on on, on family that's mm. a really interesting story man honestly mm. it's it's a, like that's a really great insight for us to have and um, I mean fair play because it is it must be difficult to not have a go with the New Zealand uh, set up there but I think as well the journey must, it's, it ain't that bad pretty oh, pretty exciting up here. On, yeah man. yeah like. but <laughs> like it's it's really interesting for us to get this but you must be a really tight unit because we did hear you like you've referenced your family like in lots of different times mm. during the in we're not we're not calling an interview we call it the podcast we call it the podcast yeah. call it what it is but you know it's it's you're obviously would you, like is that something that, that was difficult to leave not just on the rugby side but on the family side you like yeah uh, it seemed tight with them yeah like i mean i can hear from it's you the just, other, uh, yeah. like it's the other side of the world eh? like, yeah it is a long it, it's a oh, yeah. if i get a week off unfortunately i can't bloody shoot home now mm. so um yeah, it did suck. Like, I remember having the conversation with dad and, like, 
I was in the car and I was like, man, dad, like, I think I'm actually going to leave. And he was like, yeah, like, man, it's going to suck. But you know what? He's like, when you come back, everyone will be here. Everyone will be doing the same thing. Mum mm. will be in her same chair. Dad will still be going to work, <laughs> you know, like everything, like mm. nothing changes, you know, back home. Well, it's not nothing like it does, mm. but like everyone will still be there for me when I do go home. So like they were all very, very supportive. And I mean, I could, I could ring the old man now. He's probably, <laughs> what's, uh, he'd be at work, but like <laughs> he doesn't do it. And how have you anymore. found Europe? Because I always think a lot of the Kiwi guys are like, they, they, they just, they, you know, They've obviously made a big trip up, but they make the effort then when they're abroad. Say when you have the week mm. off. Have you done any traveling around Europe? Yeah. Have you enjoyed that part of it? Yes. There's like, like obviously a big culture there, isn't there? People traveling from New Zealand, Australia, all around the world. Yeah. Irish guys like, are like that as well, reading girls, yeah. It's um like in New Zealand to go anywhere, like even within New Zealand, it's expensive as any like it's so expensive. Like for me, from to go to Hamilton, which was where the Chiefs were based, mm. to Nelson, it was like five hundred bucks return. Like and yeah. that's like yeah, it's like I mean, it's like it's just probably head, not the numbers here in England. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. there's one airline that <clears throat> dominates it, <clears throat> but like three hours away is Australia, which is like our older brother. It's like, mm. like yeah, it's cool, but it's not that cool. Like to go anywhere cool, it'd be like a ten hour flight. Mm. So to be yeah. based in Dublin and be like, oh, on a Friday night to the missus, like, oh, I got the weekend off. Should we shoot over to London or, yeah, you yeah. know, like when I first got here, uh, I didn't play in the European games. And I just went to Iceland. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is cool. I like, I mean, like, it's a big thing with lots of people from, like, who come from that far down. The Aussie guys would say the same. Yeah. Like, you know, they don't, because they, they're even probably, they, they stay within Australia because you pretty much got everything in the weather and something mm. that's gorgeous. And New Zealand, obviously, as well. But, like, it's it's a cool, we kind of take it for granted here. Like, and all the, even the different languages. I feel like you, like, when you go somewhere in Europe, like, well, it's so close, but you, it's a totally different culture as yeah. well. Like, different food. Completely different. Different languages, yeah. you know, lots of different architects. Like, have you yeah. loved that part of it? That must yeah. be a cool part. The architecture is actually something that kind of fascinates me. Like, because in New Zealand, like, buildings have only been up for like maybe a hundred years, and you come here and people are talking about stuff like that's like a thousand years old and it's still standing. I'm just like, what? yeah, it is mad, like, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah. this is it <clears throat> baffles me, but like, mm. it's all part of the experience and something that we really, me and my girlfriend are really enjoying at the moment. So, what have you found of Irish people and the Irish culture then? Uh, I, they're, they're I'd similar, say you're feeling pretty good, man. Yeah, <laughs> they're similar. Like, um, they're very similar to home anyway. Like, they're very, I guess, family orientated, etc. Yeah. And like, we've, I mean, nothing's <clears throat> weird to me here. Like, we're both New Zealand and Irish would get along like a house on fire, you know. So, um, nothing's really. There's not that much that's different. Like, and that's what's made it probably so easy to settle in as well. Um, like, I got offered to go to like two. I got. I think it was Ross Maloney and Dan Levy's for Christmas dinner. You know, like, <laughs> like it's that's it's good. It's good family, cool. but you know what I mean. It is, and that's yeah. good. Like, and that's why the club is going really well. Do you mm. know what I mean? It's because, and I think all the other clubs are like that as well. Actually, to be honest with you, I know yeah. some have had difficult periods and that, but it's funny. I think everyone who comes to the Irish clubs, you know, unless they've had a bad experience with injuries or whatever, they actually usually really enjoy it. It's mm. a fun. Like, there's a really good Irish culture of being open. Like, I mean, you hear. I mean, I mean, I think Dougie Howler came to, and he was at the peak of his New yeah. Zealand rugby career, like one of the best players in the world, and came to Munster, and he just hasn't left. Like, he's nah. still there. <laughs> like, he loves it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. His family have all settled there. You know, here, and, and it's lots of people like that. Even Rue and Pinar absolutely loved Yeah, Ulster. he wanted to go back, didn't he? His family still live there. Sorry? His family still live there, I think. Do they? Yeah, I didn't know so. that. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably go <laughs> Montpellier myself, man. Yeah, get, <laughs> <laughs> get the sun or something. Yeah. But it, it is interesting, isn't it? Like, it's, it, obviously, it's an Irish thing, but it's nice to hear that, mm. that you're enjoying that that sort of culture and they are open you know just to mm. finish up or get as we finish up go back to a rugby thing i wanted to ask you because something i've noticed you do quite a lot is when you get tackled you kind of release the ball for a second and yeah. then grab it and keep and keep on going like yeah. where did you kind of it's, it's worked so well for lynch like where did you cut <laughs> up? yeah i well, when i first got here I, I like did it like twice in like one of my first games and he was like what are you doing like, <laughs> he's <laughs> like do I, the yeah. ball, man. I like, and i was just like oh no like, 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 yeah. like it wasn't any it wasn't having like a knock-on bad effect or anything yeah. but then like he kind of pulled it up in a meeting and was like, okay, so James might do this on the ground. So like everyone kind of be aware of it. So <laughs> I saw um, Ferg was nearly, man. He was on yeah. top of you, man. It was yeah, like, I know. And I was trying to get, get up. Like, yeah. <laughs> get off me, man. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I don't know. It's just like uh, a, I guess like a trick that I've I've learned, and people do it back home, and I just brought it over here, and like yeah, it's funny. Like a lot of your great play, I guess, has been in kind of the unstructured moments when you've produced a bit of magic and scored a try. Like, what are the coaches? What are they like after? They're like great try, but uh, we wish you were a bit more. <laughs> nah, oh, not really. Like uh, they're not they're not gonna beg you for trying something, you know. Like sometimes, especially in like on a cold night, and the boys aren't really. I guess like fully there, um, they're not going to knock you for trying, you know, like, uh, shit, if it comes off, it comes off, but. Mate, but, that definitely, I could see that in your game, man. Like it mm. is, like it's good to, like in fairness, it's so exciting to watch. I mean, I think there was one the weekend where you went, like you had unbelievable bit of, I think you'd handed someone off and you had the ball in the left hand and I think you went, you changed it. It was, it was like a basketball because mm. like, you played a bit of basketball, didn't you? Yeah. Like there are the moments, it. like, I mean, for me, when I see you, I think, like, and this is me being like completely honest because I just think there's so much, like, like if they're the little moments that I think will make you the East and the Siwa for me. Mm. Like, whereas I think at the moment, like, you're, it's unbelievably exciting. Do you feel that about yourself? Do you feel like there's a few bits where you kind of rein it in slightly, or am I wrong? Are you are you just going to keep going for it and uh. you're going to keep going for those moments? Because I presume like. There are moments where you're like, oh man, that was an unbelievable bit of play where I handed him off, had the ball in the left hand, <laughs> yeah. then it went for the kind of the yeah. Like what? What sometimes, do you think about those moments? Yeah, sometimes like I know, like I know I can do it, but like yeah. it's I guess there's like time and place. Um, I remember actually talking to Stuart after one of the after we lost the Scarlets, and I was like, man, like there was this, like I shouldn't have done this, and he's like. No, I want you to keep doing that because no one else is going to do it. You know. Oh really? So, like, oh, that's but that's great though, isn't yeah. it? That's, like, he obviously feels that that's like, yeah. he, that's a good thing though. No. Yeah, like I, I guess he feels like if if other players can, I guess, have that mindset of like nothing's going, like someone do something. You know, like it's probably yeah. gonna, I guess, help help the game in the end. Um, and like what Stu's really good at is like making sure everyone's <clears throat> like good and unstructured. Like <clears throat> someone might make a decision here. And we've just all got to adapt and like fill in, fill in the blanks, you know. So I'll be interested to see what Joe Schmidt makes of it in the, in the <laughs> yeah. first time. Oh man, imagine, imagine the conversation between me and him. Like I've only heard things, but like he's a Kiwi, so like I'm sure he'll kind of understand. Yeah. James, can I talk to you for a second? I'm like, no, nah, I'm not really. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay over here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so just to wrap things up, I guess, uh, you know, you spoke there talking to your dad about coming up here and he said in a couple of years time, everyone will be doing the same thing. Like, do you see your future very much now in Northern Hemisphere rugby for for, the, for your career? Yeah, like, I, uh, I mean, I gave, like, I gave New Zealand like a really good shot, you know, like, it's where probably my heart still is. But like over here, man, it's like, it'd be silly for me to go home, you know, like I'm 26 years old, like I'm enjoying rugby, I'm based in Dublin. Like, you know, my girlfriend's happy. My girlfriend's parents like came over. They're like, man, this is like, this is cool, right. you know. So like, I mean, as a, you take rugby out of it. Like, I'm just from a small town, the size, the size of Galway in the winter, you know. So <laughs> like, for me to be living over here, it's like everyone thinks it's quite cool, and I'm enjoying it. Like, I don't see why I'd. Why I need to go home yet? If only you'd known Julian Sevilla was leaving before you decided to come to Lancaster. Yeah, <laughs> oh, <laughs> hindsight, eh? That's great. Like, well, that's everything happens for a reason. Yeah, but I think you've landed on your feet here. And in fairness, mm. all the good, there's lots of good feeling in the camp for you. You know, I just know that from just talking to the guys. So it's great you've, you've bedded in so well. Thanks a million for, for coming on the nah, show. Thanks no, for it was kind of short notice. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. Ah, cool. Thank you. Thank you very right. much. Cheers. That's all we have time for on the podcast this week. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a bumper Champions Cup preview. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thanks so much for listening and goodbye. <laughs>